Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Pre-Med Office Hours, episode 142. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I am joined by a couple of members of the Medical School HQ advising team. Courtney Lewis at the top, former director of admission at Burrell College of Osteopathic Medicine. How are you doing, my friend? Doing well. Excited for this time in our week, every week. Love it, love it. We are here to answer questions. I love your rock, rocking the pre-med element shirt that I created I am. a few years ago. It's one of my favorite yeah. shirts. Yeah, um, I love it. I need one. I, I don't think I have one anymore. At least the one I have is all worn out because I wore it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> also with us, Verena Granum, former assistant dean in the pre-health and STEM advising office at Hofstra University. Yes, yes. How's Hello. New York treating you? Wonderful. Yeah. It's a beautiful day here. Are you in a New York state of mind? Always. Always. Love I bleed. It. I bleed blue, blue and white. <laughs> New York colors. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. We are going to start off a little bit different today because there is some breaking news-ish. Um, it broke last week um, about some Acomis changes. And Courtney, you're probably the most familiar with kind of the back end workings of a comis. And True. so we'll, we'll probably lean on you a little bit without uh, having you give away too many secrets that the, sure. the, the ACOM is going to come knocking on your door. Um, <laughs> so, I'll keep my friends there. I'd like to keep my friends. <laughs> yes. Uh, let me pull up the actual um, kind of uh, – the actual, the actual, the actual kind of message that um, Helene from ACOM mentioned, and she's, I think, the vice president of general med medical education, which is undergraduate, undergraduate medical, medical education. education, not general. Dr. General. Helene Cameron. Yes. <laughs> yes. Undergraduate UGE versus GME. Um, undergraduate UME, U whatever, M -E. whatever it is. Jeez, yeah. I don't know. Leave me alone. It's, it's it's okay. <laughs> I haven't had my coffee this morning or ever. Um, the website is really, really slow. Um, open, please. All right. I'll, I'll just get to it. Um, so the, the change basically, and I'll paraphrase because I don't have it directly in front of me. Um, oh, as it just pulled up now. Important notes, beginning with the 2023-2024 ACOMIS cycle, which is the cycle that's opening up on May 2nd, I believe, this year, mm -hmm. um, 2023. ACOMIS will begin releasing, quote, in progress applications to institutions as they become available which will begin the day the application launch, May 4th. Um, so, so TMDSA and, uh, and AMCAS, TMDSAS and AMCAS are May 2nd. Acomas is May 4th this year. May the 4th be with you. Yeah, mm. Star Wars Day, love it. Um, <laughs> applications will no longer be held for release until June 15th. 
While institutions will begin receiving applications at an earlier date this cycle, they still review applications based on individual timelines, meaning each school does their own thing. <laughs> we say that a thousand times a day here. Mm -hmm. uh, that may not begin until later in the cycle. Applicants are encouraged to reach out to programs directly with any questions. So for those of you listening and have specific questions directly for this ACOMIS change, we're going to spend the first 10 or 15 minutes really honed in on this because I think this has scared a lot of students, Courtney. And they're like, oh my gosh, I moved my MCAT date to like mm -hmm. mid-May because the, the kind of first wave of applications wasn't supposed to go out to DO schools until mid-June. How is this going to affect my MCAT date now? That's the first big question that we have been seeing a lot of. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I, I don't think it'll actually change too much. So uh, pulling back from, from past years when I had access to the ACOMAS platform as an administrator on the back end, I would be able to see certain chunks of information um, and, and a lot of the times it was for completed but unverified applications. And I could see only partial bits of information that had been filled out. Really what this is, is it's just bumping it up an extra step. So in progress applications, you haven't necessarily hit the complete button, but you have designated a school or, or you're interested in a school. Um, and the information that they're going to be able to see is still limited. So I don't know if it really affects the MCAT date per se. Um, but, you know, having information, even if it's just your name and biographical background information is still, is still, um, you know, available to them at a much earlier date than it was before. So, yeah. So, a list of uh, one of the first big questions. Well, what does in progress applications mean? That was my first question. I'm like, yeah. are they seeing me type? Like, <laughs> I hate this process in the personal statement and then delete it and then go, I still really hate this process and then delete it and then finally paste it in my personal statement. Like, are they seeing that? Or are they not? And so I, I asked Helene again, this is um, Helene Cameron, uh, the Vice President for UME Services at ACOM. So again, undergraduate medical education. And, and she said demographic and, and kind of name info. And, and there's a very specific list here. So what is your ID number, right? Your ACOMAS ID. First name, last name, designation. So I'm assuming that means the school designation. Mm -hmm. uh, email, preferred phone, phone number type, alternate phone, phone type, current street address, all, all the address information, mm -hmm. um, permanent street address and all of that information. And then designation label. Do you know what, what does that mean, Courtney? What no, is designation I don't, label? Okay. I have no idea actually. Okay. So it may be something different. Program plans. I don't know. Okay. Mm -hmm. Designation added date. So that's just when the, the student mm -hmm. added that school text mm -hmm. authorization. I'm assuming for updates author, that you want to receive for, for like phone text, mm -hmm. like yes. SMS authorization yes. mm -hmm. and then note, whatever that is. So, mm -hmm. um, okay. yeah, so that's the information that the individual osteopathic medical schools are able to pull from the application. So, uh, don't worry, right? They're not looking at your in progress essays or anything like that. They're not watching you add different activities, um, the, the next big question comes from students to go, okay, historically, I would submit my application, let's say mid-May, mm -hmm. 
because Acomis hasn't had that delay window for when you c- can submit an application like AMCAS has historically had and TMDSAS just added just a couple week delay. But I would submit the application and then I would have some peace and quiet in my life to go focus on <laughs> secondaries. No. So what what's going to change now? Schools can see, hey, Sally has has added our school to her list. Are schools going to knee jerk, like start sending secondaries before anything else? I don't think so. I think that they're going to want to see more data than just biographical or, um, you know, that that kind of data. I I don't think it's going to necessarily be secondaries that they're reaching out with, but maybe prompts to actually complete your application and submit or things about their school. So they may start connecting with you at an earlier time or if they have a preview day or things like that. That's really what I'm anticipating, but I do have some feelers out to a couple of the people that um, I'm close with at ACOM that are still serving as directors or deans of admission. So I will let, you know, we'll make sure to pass it on if I hear any different, but I really think it's gonna be about just communication and, and trying to build that rapport with you um, from the medical school to you as somebody who voiced or has marked interest in designating in the future to kind of help you work through getting it to a completed and verified state to receive a secondary, but we'll see. Everybody has a different process. So maybe some are are open to doing that and say, hey, if we're on your list, here's your secondary. But I, (laughs) I I, I'm, I'm hesitant to even say that that's likely what's gonna happen. I just don't think it is. Yeah, Um, Vernia bumping it up a little bit too much. A, mm-hmm. a little a little too much. Vernia, uh, mm-hmm. you work with a lot of students yeah. uh, in one-on-one advising through Application Academy. Mm-hmm. Secondaries are always a mm-hmm. huge struggle. The, the tidal wave I've been calling it lately. Yeah. The tidal wave of secondaries come. Like, it, it would be cruel for medical schools <laughs> to start sending secondaries even earlier. What do you, what it, do you think? It would. I mean, the, the stress level right now is, is definitely high. Um, you know, the only thing I could say is to students which is what we always emphasize anyway, is to pre-write as much as you can, right? Start, you know, it may mean that you have to start just a little earlier, just in case, uh, but but it's manageable. It's more manageable the earlier you start. Um, it'll just be interesting to see really what was the impetus for this? Is this so that they can plan, you know, their summer schedule a little bit better? I, You know, only they know. But as far as secondaries go, just anticipate that yes this is going to require a lot of work and you should be pre-writing anyway you should be pre-writing anyway so one of the potential things and again without knowing exactly what medical schools are going to do one of the potential things is well first first off don't designate any schools right okay. just just leave mm-hmm. your school designations blank until the very last minute and then submit so that's one way of getting around mm-hmm. this new change because it's only being triggered, it seems like, when you designate a school. So if it's only being triggered when you designate a school, don't designate a school. You can still work on your personal statement, your activities, Mm -hmm. your transcripts, all of that fun stuff, and then you won't be bothered from the schools. I don't think it's gonna hurt you in the long run. It's not gonna put you behind everyone else. Um, I, I just, 
I fear for students that this is just going to add another layer of stress, Courtney, because they're already freaked out. They're already thinking they're behind everyone else mm -hmm. and they're going to have to hurry. And this is going to lead to unintended consequences of students rushing things. They're going to, they're going to be more mistakes, I think in the application that we're going to see. And then ultimately just, just more and more frustration and burnout and everything on the other end, all to give some of these osteopathic schools a little bit of a heads up that, hey, Sally's interested in coming to your school. Right. And then, and I do want to kind of focus on that probably being the impetus for this is just giving them the opportunity to connect with you and have you actually complete the application and, and get it sent in. But, you know, changes to access to information, again, it's just a bump up from um, being completed unverified to being in progress now, but still limited information. But I, I understand that it does provide an additional level of stress, but making sure that you are aware of what information they are actually privy mm -hmm. to and reassuring yourself that no, they're not looking at your personal statements or any of these aspects beforehand. Yeah. But, but, you know, just knowing that somebody may have, you know, okay, well, this person's been showing in progress now for three months. What's the deal? Uh, maybe something stressful. And so do yeah. I think a lot of people are going to be doing that? No. Um, but I, but I understand from, from both sides what, yeah. that it's different. Yeah. I, I almost liken it to, um, like an abandoned cart kind of situation. Yeah. If, if any of you have used online mm -hmm. shopping and you like, oh, this shirt looks really cute and I'm going to put it to my cart. And then you're like, oh, that's a lot of money or, oh, they pay for shipping. I don't like that. Um, and then you just close the tab. A, a lot of those e-commerce pr uh, platforms know who you are and you'll start to get an email going, hey, mm -hmm. did you forget to check out mm -hmm. of your cart? I, <laughs> I almost feel like this is just a marketing gimmick at the end of the day. And it feels kind of icky to me, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just, it feels, it feels like but, we're turning applicants into customers now. And I, I don't like it. Okay. I think they're just, I think they're trying to get ahead of double AMC um, yep. as far as timeline. I don't know if I would say icky and maybe it's just because <laughs> I'm biased, but I feel like <laughs> Don't you want schools to be interested in you if you're applying to med school or make an effort to reach out or? I want it to be authentic and this doesn't feel authentic. That's mm -hmm. fair. But that's, that's, fair, that's but... all. Yeah, I would, I would love for interest. And we have lots of plans for MAPT to potentially mm -hmm. add some of this stuff in. And maybe I'm talking out two sides of my, my butt here. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's just something, there's, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the ramifications are. Um, yeah. But I think at the end of the day, uh, calm down, take a breath. This isn't really changing the dynamics of the application cycle a ton again until we see oh, like, yeah, half of the osteopathic school started to send secondaries mm -hmm. six weeks earlier, four weeks earlier, whatever it is. I doubt that will happen. Yeah. But we'll see. That's um, called a fistula, by the way, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I understand. Uh, no, no fistulas here. Thank you. Um, Stay tuned. <laughs> uh, Veronica, any specific questions that we can start answering about this Acoma change? Fluffy cookie. Nope. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, nope, not that one. Any specific questions with the Acomish change? Um, 
if the answer is no, then you okay. I'm seeing Veronica shake her head. All right, let's go ahead and start answering regular questions then. Floofy, does volunteering at an emergency department, stocking rooms, getting supplies for nurses, taking patients to the rooms, count as been a, uh, clinical volunteering experiences? Verinia, is our favorite cool? question mm-hmm. is it clinical? Is it clinical? I, I'm gonna actually like go do that so I can play the little sound here, like whatever. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm gonna go get that made. Fluffy cookie, thanks for reaching out. Um, I think it's Floofy. Oh, is it Floofy? Sorry. Um, <laughs> floofy. Joke. It really all depends on your interactions with the patients. You're, you started off by saying you're stocking rooms, getting supplies for nurses, which kind of implies that that's maybe the main things that you're doing. There's some interactions it look like with patients, just taking to, taking them to their rooms. But are you in some way um, helping them, impacting their health in some way? Are you bringing them snacks? Are you bringing them water? Are you keeping them company? Um, that's That's clinical experience. That's where you're actually directly impacting another human being in some way that affects their health. Um, so based on what you're describing here, it doesn't really sound that clinical. Um, but, but you know, like I said, just if you can somehow as part of your duties, ask if you can be more involved in helping patients in some way beyond just taking them to their rooms, then potentially you can consider that. It's all about what you're doing with that patient. Escorting them to the room, it's not really helping them or impacting their health in some way so still good work though yeah definitely i i just read that apparently uh postback cast which is the centralized application service for postbacks a lot of postbacks in this country run by the same company who runs a comis liaison is the company um in progress for postback cast the schools can see everything essays transcripts letters of rec so that's interesting great yeah wonderful for them <laughs> um shazab hey dr gray with an Keeping a you humble. Time, please. Keeping yeah. you humble. <laughs> <laughs> with an a gray with an a cheesy um i graduated from nyu last year with a 3-1 science gpa i'm worried that my gpa is too low for me to be admitted into med school do you recommend i look into taking upper division courses so uh, Courtney, we talk all the time here that three one is by itself a number we can't really advise mm-hmm. on because there's upward trend, downward trend, flat mm-hmm. trend. But a three one's relatively low. Right. What are what are your next steps here for for this student? Yeah, I would say if you just graduated, um, there's probably opportunity to take upper division or graduate level courses to to give yourself that upward trend, because if you're just completing your undergraduate, then they're likely gonna want to see more evidence of you being able to handle a fairly heavy science course load um, at at a higher level um, to build that foundation. It is foundation building, that's the purpose of it, um, to make sure that you're ready to take on the 32 to 36 science credit hours that they would be putting you into once you started medical school. So it's likely without information, as Dr. Gray said, that you will need to do additional kind of foundational building coursework at an upward trend. Yeah. So uh, Shazab, if you don't already have a mapped account, go create one. If this is your first time creating an account, use the code 30 days free 
enter all of your grades and then send a message to our advising team and say, hey, all of my grades are in. Now you can get a more uh, solid look at all of my courses. Now can you help me with those next steps? Mm -hmm. uh, we charge, um, knowingly, a lot of money for one-on-one -on -one advising. MAPT is $90 a year for amazing advising. You get my LORs. We have some new stuff coming down the, the, the pipeline as well. So go check out MAPT. Entering your grades, all that stuff, free. Track your grades forever. Track your MCAT scores. Track your activities. All that's free forever. Almost all of MAPT is free. Mm -hmm. All right. Ryan Lee, are online chemistry classes, lab classes, okay for med school? Asking <laughs> for, for a friend. friend. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ryan, uh, we're going to let your friend know. Verinia is going to let your friend know. Yeah. <sighs> it's one of those. It depends. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. You kind of have to do your research, Ryan, and see what um, each you can look up each school's requirements and see if they accept online classes. Labs are a little bit trickier because what you're learning and applying in, or the knowledge you're, you're learning, you want to apply in a lab and physically see the results of that. Um, so online labs are a little bit tricky, um, but but it will depend. It will depend on each school. So look up the school, check out their requirements. You can maybe get a subscription to MSAR or maybe find their requirements on on the their website and see if an online class is acceptable yep that's the answer Nas, my pre-med and my science advisors are writing me a joint lor does that count as a committee letter if not what should be added so it can meet the committee letter requirement i i don't think there is a quote-unquote committee letter mm -hmm. requirement it either is a committee letter mm -hmm. or it's not a committee letter so um yeah I'm not sure. Ask them. They they may have the answer. Yeah. They, they may go, oh, yeah, we, we submit these as committee letters right. and med schools don't have an issue with it. Yeah. Schools create the committees. It's not something that medical schools require. They don't require yeah. a committee letter. It's something that universities will provide to students. Um, so it depends on their processes. But um, so, so, yeah, as Dr. Gray just said, check with your uh, pre-med advisor and see if it counts as, as their committee letter. Adam23, should I ask for an LOR from house supervisor nurse? I'm assuming that's what that means. That talks about my teamwork in the surgery unit. How many of letters of recs do the adcoms actually read? If I submit six, will they read all six? <laughs> it depends. Courtney, um, from, from your time, my assumption is you required a minimum amount. You had some sort of maximum amount. If a student reach that maximum amount is was it just de dependent on the reviewer of that application if they had time if they had desire to read all of them or would, would you say read them all technically yes it is on the evaluator i would say if it's part of your application it's going to get eyes on so um, even if it's just a quick glance where they're looking for the tone or the types of language somebody's using i I would never advise my team um, to skip any portions of the application because I thought the information was important. And so I would look through all of the letters of recommendation. Um, sometimes people put PSs in there or, or little tidbits of information. It's not often, but you definitely want to catch those. It's not something where on the back end, my admissions committee would have been like, 
why did we even want to interview this person in their letter of recommendation? It clearly said that they believe this person's going to struggle. And even if it's just one person, obviously you take that into the context of, of, but say if it's part of your application packet, there is potential required letters, and then you can add more on top of that. I think with um, the AAMC, it's 10, and with the Comus, it's 6. You don't have to max out. You certainly don't have to max out, but you definitely have to hit the minimum or else you're not going to move forward. So yeah. what letters do you feel like will be strong, will add value, and have those added, but don't fill just to fill? Yeah. What do you think about this idea of, ooh, teamwork is a uh, core competency, and so I'm going to get a letter that specifically speaks to teamwork. To me, that's one of those checking the boxes, trying mm -hmm. to present who you think they want you to be versus an uh, I, I, authentic is my favorite word, I think, in yeah. this process. Uh, an authentic letter where this nurse supervisor can just talk about who you are as a person. And yes, yes teamwork may come up, but it's not – Teamwork, 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 teamwork. Oh, by the way, did I mention teamwork? Yeah. When, when you've read <laughs> as many letters um, in a cycle as we get, you start to be able to really quickly pick up on a pattern if it's just canned statements and responses yeah. that are not authentic. Yeah. And so those will generally start to hold less weight because they do feel inauthentic and um, and that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for how it was to work with you, what this person, you know, experienced. And it, and it really does need to be from their point of view. I know sometimes you'll hear they wanted me to draft something up or they, they want me to tell them what they want me to write about. But just leave it more open-ended. Say, I want you to just talk about our time together or how you felt like I did or what you know, my aptitudes were and things like that to, to leave it to them to report that if you're asking them for a letter. Awesome. One, one other quick, um, what's the difference things with ACOMIS and AMCAS specifically mm -hmm. is AMCAS will let you uh, upload X number of letters and then you can pick and choose to say, hey, these three letters go to this school. These other three letters go to that school. I want to send four letters to this other school. You can pick and choose which letters go to which institutions. ACOMIS and TMDSAS, all letters go to all schools. Mm -hmm. so that's a big difference. And so one of the games that I like to play potentially with AMCAS is if one of your mentors or supervisors or um, uh, like the person that you scribe for or shadow for is an alumnus, uh, alumni of uh, a, a medical school that you are particularly interested in, that person can write a specific letter to that specific admissions committee that says, hey, as an alumni of this school, I really recommend Sally uh, because she's a great fit, having been uh, a student on campus as well, blah, blah, blah. And then they can write a second letter 
to the rest of the medical schools that is dear, just a general dear admissions committee type letter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you just need to keep that straight though <laughs> with how yeah. you're organizing things and, and labeling things. You don't want to send the school specific email to every, uh, every other school. And then the, the general statement one to the one specific school. So mm -hmm. be careful with that. Yep. We used to get ones that were written to postback programs that were also mm. applying to med schools. And Ugh. we're like, mm, mm, that's not good. Yeah. Don't do that, friends. Don't do that. Friends don't let friends dual apply. <laughs> um, Jessica, <laughs> what is important to consider when thinking of applying to accelerated three-year MD programs? Are there certain people who should aim for such programs or avoid them? So it's interesting, uh, Verinia, in this world, what is old becomes new again. Three-year programs used to be more of the norm, and then mm -hmm. we went to four years. Mm -hmm. I think we should probably go to five years, although mm -hmm. tuition, the way it is, <laughs> probably shouldn't. Um, our medical knowledge doubles every three months about. Um, so it's incredible how much we're, we're creating new information. Mm -hmm. um, there are a handful of three-year programs out there. I'm not sure how familiar you are with them or, or potentially for, for Jessica here. What advice to, to think about? Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my knowledge is a little bit limited with, with specific programs, but I, I look at this from the lens of just a pre-health advisor who's worked with hundreds of students. And, and I think to myself, if this is how you are um, happy and you, you normally operate at an accelerated level, you're very motivated and disciplined and, and can handle kind of the the onslaught of a medical school curriculum condensed to three years, then go for it. Yeah. You have to look and see if this program fits your learning style, your, you know, it, you know, it, the, the school fits your idea of where you're going to be, where you're going to be successful there to me. I, I, I don't think I could speak enough to what the benefit is as opposed to a regular four year program. Um, yes, other than <laughs> tuition, <laughs> that's a big one. Yep. Um, but but then what do you what are you losing because you're saving that one year of tuition? What are you losing in other aspects? So that's what you have to look at um, if you're going to be ultra stressed. And is it ultra competitive? And it's just not a very good environment for you to be in. It's hard to to gauge that just by what's on the the website. So you really have to do the research, know yourself, know your learning style, what you prefer. If it's the ideal program for you, then go for it. Yeah. So I did a podcast episode with the uh, Dean of Admissions at NYU, Dr. Rivera, um, because they have some newer, uh, this was a few years ago now, I'm trying to pull it up, the exact episodes, Medical School HQ, um, or just premedyears.com slash 96. So that was... Yeah. Uh, actually a while ago because yeah. we're on episode 520 <laughs> now. Um, so the the big difference specifically is, at least for NYU's program, and again, every program is a little bit different, is you're kind of pre-applying to residency as well. You're saying, mm -hmm. hey, I'm interested in internal medicine. So I'm willing to, uh, basically the three-year programs are, are getting rid of a lot of the elective rotations and away mm -hmm. rotations that take up a lot of time fourth year, which a lot of med students think are just a waste of time. Like I'm paying all of this money to just go hang around and, and travel the country and do what we call audition uh, rotation sometimes mm -hmm. to potentially match later on. 
And and what NYU's program does is says, hey, we're going to pre-match you into a residency program. So if you're interested in OB, they, they have a couple of them, OB, internal medicine, whatever, whatever they are. And, and you say, hey, I'm interested in internal medicine. I would love only three years. Get rid of all of the extra fluff of traveling around the country and figuring out what program I want. And are there any uh, different specialties I'm particularly interested in? And just cut that out. And the rest of the medical school is basically the same. You're, you're taking whatever it is, 18 or 24 months of, of the preclinical years, and then you're, you're pre-matched basically into an NYU program. Uh, again, that's specific to NYU. It may have changed since my last conversation with Dr. Rivera. So go check out that episode and, and do some more research. But yeah. they're interesting. Um, the, the content, my assumption is the content isn't as accelerated, right? It's, it's either a normal 24 or 18 month, which a lot of med schools are switching to an 18 month curriculum so that you can get started earlier in your, your clinical rotations. Again, that's kind of a, a marketing gimmick for medical schools to say, Hey, we get our students in with patients earlier. Uh, but whatever. Yeah. Good. Good luck. Connor, how do I stand out and story tell stories in my application without sounding too sales pitchy? Sounds like a good application academy student. What do you think, Courtney? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> right up our alley of things that we're talking about every day with our uh, academy students. Um, I was I was thinking that you were going to take this one because I this is something that you <laughs> touch on quite often all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you how just you love Application Academy so much? I'm like, oh, Courtney can talk about Application I Academy. I love it. Um, yeah. We can probably both give answers here. So, yeah. how do I stand out and story tell in my application without sounding too sales pitchy? Um, being authentic. <laughs> so you don't have to go through kind of like we were talking about with LORs, right? You're not going to those lists of core competencies and saying, do I touch on this? Do I touch on this? We want to know, especially in your personal statement, stick to the prompt. Why medicine? Why are you pursuing this? What has helped kind of what kicked it off? What was your seed and what things have helped you grow? What experiences and clinical settings have um, kind of broaden your view of it, have helped you realize that this is kind of your passion as you've moved through to get to this point of applying to med school. And when you do that, it really doesn't come across as forced or sales pitchy. Let your stories speak for themselves where you're showing versus saying, I am a compassionate person. I care about my patients. What's an experience that you had that you can talk about in a clinical setting where somebody's going to be able to glean that information out of what you shared versus a bullet point statement where you're having to kind of sell yourself because you didn't show how you actually um, exhibited those qualities. So I would say those are some kind of just general tips for doing that. Yeah. Application mm -hmm. Academy closes to new students on yeah. April 2nd. So go Soon. sign up today. It's $100 off currently. We do have FAP pricing as well. If you just go to applicationacademy.com, scroll down to the FAQ. There's a link there to submit your FAP documentation, either from uh, ACOMIS or uh, the AMC. Uh, the big thing... Connor to think about and, and Courtney touched on that right is, is authenticity I was doing a session yesterday a Q&A session and a student asked a question about like 
how do I, how do I reflect on this statement or how do I, am I on the right track with this kind of essay or, or experience that I'm trying to talk about? And she was kind of talking about this EMT experience that she had and, and she was kind of going through the sentences. And then I, I really, she, in, in her words, she's like, I, I want to try to then uh, talk about the, the teamwork aspect of it and this and that. I'm like, well, let's, let's stop for one second. Why do you want to talk about teamwork? And she was talking about how it's important uh, mm-hmm. for medicine and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what is your goal with this paragraph? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, my goal is to show that uh, I'm good with teamwork because I know it's important. I'm like, stop. Like, mm-hmm. why are you so focused on selling your skills mm-hmm. versus talking about who you are? Right. The, the big thing I've been repeating myself over and over and over again lately is stop trying to be who you think the med schools want you to be. They're looking for individuals, not for cookie cutter. Everyone fits the same mold applicant. And so if every single application that came across Courtney's desk was, I'm hardworking, I'm dedicated, I'm motivated, I'm a team player, I have good uh, critical thinking skills, I have good communication skills, I'm compassionate, right? These super cliche things that every student is like, ooh, that's what a doctor is. It's going to be impossible for admissions committees to go, well, who do we want to accept, right? Mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. it just reverts back to let's accept the students with the highest MCAT score and the highest GPA because every every application looks the same because you're all trying to sell the same thing. Well, and and it tends to come across as lacking passion then because yeah. you're not talking about um, how it affected you or what impact it had or, yeah. or reflecting back in a way where I'm able to see it through your lens. These, these general statements or these really hyper-focused on, on certain competency paragraphs just really don't do much. It's, I need to know your journey and your story and how you feel or think about things to be able to get a sense of you from that narrative and it's really hard when you're using um when you're trying to mold it so hard into this this cookie cutter format it Mm -hmm. just doesn't do anything for us and we don't get a sense of you so yeah it's it's tough um but we're genuinely wanting to know your story because you know we can see all the stats we can see all of your experience and things like that but but who are you and what got you here is also an important aspect into who we want to work with in the future. Yeah. That's it. Bruce. Hi guys. Two quickies. TMDSAS is accepted by DOs in Texas. Will the changes to Acomas impact Texas applicants? Nope. Um, TMDSAS is completely separate from Acomas. Uh, the, the Texas DO schools that use TMDSAS do not interact with ACOMAS at all. If you decide not to apply this year, can you still gather your LORs for next cycle? So, Vernia, technically possible, but yeah. maybe not recommended? Not ideal, because you want your letters to be dated in the same year that uh, you're applying. So, best advice would be... Stay in touch with your letter writers. Say, ask for permission to stay in touch and, and keep them updated on what you're up to between now and when you apply. Let them know that you're going to be applying later and uh, ask if you can reach out at that point in time to request a letter. 
Yeah. So that just shows continued contact, mm -hmm. most up-to-date information that this letter writer is potentially talking about who you are. And, and you can see upload dates, right? That information is included. Um, so if they uploaded it in 2021, but they've dated it 2024, <laughs> it, you know, we'll be able to see it. So. Yeah. Jason, any advice for balancing simultaneous MCAT prep and application mm -hmm. writing? MCAT is 526 and hoping to press submit on the app as early as possible. This is one of my biggest concerns when pushing back the MCAT is that the thing I say is MCAT prep gets in the way of application writing. Application writing gets in the way of MCAT prep. Uh, and it's, it's hard to balance it all. Uh, Courtney and Verena, you both deal with students one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one through the application cycle with with our one-on-one -on -one advising, mm -hmm. and it's it's a struggle, right? Sometimes students ghost us for a little while and yeah. they pop their head up. They're like, "Sorry, I was studying for the MCAT." Yeah. I'm come like, up well, for now you're three months behind on writing your personal statement. <laughs> yeah. 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 What do you do, Courtney, to to help motivate students through this process? Um, break it down into smaller chunks, right? Because if you're only studying for the MCAT, that can get stale, right? Mm -hmm. You need to give your mind a chance to work on something else. And so bite-sized bits and working on it over time is still helpful, right? It doesn't seem as overwhelming maybe if you're doing it then. So if it's just, you know, this weekend or when I have downtime or I'm watching TV, I'm going to look at some med schools to build, mm -hmm. my, to build my med school list, or I'm going to gather that information for contact information, hours and dates for some of my experience sections and things like that. So digestible bits over time are still important because Activities and personal statement, I would say, and building your med school list, those are the three things that are can be the biggest time sucks. Um, and so doing those over time while still focusing on MCAT prep and being very structured and disciplined with your time and, and charting it out so that it's not just, okay, this week I need to put in 40 hours, map it out, map mm -hmm. it out so you're getting it even during your breaks, take mental breaks, but also, you know, don't have too much downtime where you really could be more effective. So it's, it's a lot of planning. It's a lot of discipline. It's a lot of breaking pieces down. Yeah. yeah. For any, any extra thoughts? Yeah. I mean, there's only so much MCAT prep that you can do before your brain turns to mush, right? Mm -hmm. So you need, mm -hmm. you need that break to look at your application and just get, get re-motivated um, mm -hmm. So that you can go back to your studying because that's what's going to keep you motivated uh, and, and remind you of, you know, what, what you're aiming for. So like Courtney was just saying, I tell students, schedule it, make it part of your weekly schedule. Two hours a week, I'm going to do this. And even if it's not personal statement writing or activities writing, it's maybe looking at schools, working on your school list, something application re related to keep you um, on pace. And there comes a point where you have to kind of consider, okay, am I ready to apply just to beat this, like beat the rush? Or do I want to present a strong application? And it might mean waiting another week. It's okay. Yeah. Um, you're not waiting until July or August. You're just maybe waiting till mid-June or something like that. So Yeah. I, I think one of the the key things to remember, and, and I think it's it's hard, right? As a society, we all struggle with this. I think psychologically, is oh, I don't I don't have time to work out. I'm I'm too busy studying. Mm -hmm. When in reality, going and working out will increase your effectiveness, mm -hmm. right? Maybe you have one hour less of a study block, but your effectiveness during that 
the other time that you have goes from 80% to 90%, right? You are more effective the more that you can rest, the more that you can sleep, the more that you can hydrate, all of that good stuff. We know it works. And so uh, having that really big task switch from MCAT prep, which is using a big part of one part of your brain to more of the creative, I want to think about myself and write about myself. It's, it's a break. And, and when you get back to, yes, it's, it's a distraction for your MCAT prep, but it's also helping you recover and come back hopefully more effective. So don't, don't be afraid of those breaks. Yeah. And it's not like in the back of your mind, you're not thinking about how delayed your application is, (laughs) you know, you're still thinking about it. And so even if you have to take your phone and you're not ready to write your personal statement, but you think about a watering event, record a verbal note as you're walking around or doing something, there are plenty of ways to do time boxing. If you know, you've heard of that and things, but this is something that we would have to mention and, and work with first year med students on a lot was, you know, because they can go and go and go and go and go and still never feel caught up or ahead. And, and you do need breaks. You need mental breaks. You actually retain the information. If you're taking those breaks it is scientific. So that's something, if you can learn it now, even before you're having to, to really be told to do it as a first year medical student to go and just like watch a Netflix show, just go and watch an episode, go and work out, go and, walk outside, do a lap around the track or something. Um, it'll be helpful because you're going to need to find how you decompress, how you process, how you break up your day to give yourself that, you know, for your own mental, physical, spiritual well-being. How do you, how, what does that look like? So, yeah. Allison Granoli, Granli, going into my third application year, did well in postback, have six years of scribing and four years of food shelf volunteering, getting discouraged and not sure what to do besides improve my 505 MCAT. Recommendations. It's impossible to recommend. <laughs> Allison, yeah. email me your application, ryan at mapped.com, M-A-P-P-D.com. I'll be happy to take a look at it. Uh, there's impossible. there's probably something in there there's, mm-hmm. there's can always be identified. something yeah yeah, yeah. Um, three application cycles uh, 505 is decent it's it's not mm-hmm. oh my gosh amazing it's not terrible so mm-hmm. what else is going on there yeah. Samantha asks hello should I wait to submit the DO app after scores are released second how can I mention my struggle with gang mentality without coming across pity me coming from high crime and low income uh, you don't have to wait to submit your DO application until your MCAT scores are released unless you are concerned that your MCAT score is not going to be good enough and you won't want to apply with whatever you're going to get. So um, potential opportunity to just apply to one school, wait for your MCAT score, and then add the other schools as you go. I'm not sure that the gang mentality mentioned here, Courtney, uh, what, 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 I'm, not, I'm not sure what she's trying to get at here. Yeah. So um, I think with the DO application, it doesn't have that other information or other. Uh, other impactful experiences. Other the, impactful the new disadvantaged essay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have that same option, which is where I think something like this could go. I'm not mm. really sure if it's going to fit into your why medicine personal statement. There may be a little bit about maybe just one or two statements kind of 
talking about a challenge of growing up as far as pursuing education or, um, you know, just struggles at home, it may fit in a little bit there. I definitely don't think that it's going to be a highlight of your why medicine. Um, but this may be something that ends up coming up in secondaries or something like that. And, and the way to not come across as pity me is, you know, take ownership for what you can take ownership, but you can disclose that type of stuff. Just be thoughtful in, in what you do disclose, right? Some things may be kind of triggering. Some things are not really necessary to know within the application about your growth or preparedness for medical school. So just be thoughtful in what you want to share, what you're disclosing and where. Yep. Claudia, I work as an RN with six years of experience. I've been completing science classes that I had not taken, but one, uh, but one mm -hmm. or two classes per semester. I'm a mom of three and work full time. Does that look bad to schools? Verinia, this comes up all the time. If I'm yeah. not taking a full course load, our med school is going to potentially mark me down for that. No, I think you look like a badass, honestly. Claudia. <laughs> right, got, right. Yeah. <laughs> you've got three kids, you're working, you've got a lot going on. And medical mm -hmm. schools understand. And I don't know why students have a really hard time hard time accepting that these are people reading your application mm -hmm. that can put mm -hmm. themselves in your shoes if they have kids if they had to go through you know whatever their background is to get to where they are at this point um it's who you are that's authentic to you so yeah. yes it's not it so no it's not going to be an issue yes it's actually a strength because you're balancing all these things plus classes yeah. um yep. so don't worry about that yeah, I think I think students often forget or don't think about Courtney that the fact that nothing, almost nothing, is looked at in a silo, mm -hmm. right? It, no, yeah. Let me let me look at this whole application, and a reviewer of the application can go, "Oh, that's interesting. Only six credits. It looks like over the course of a period of time." Let me go look at the activities. What else were they doing? Oh, you worked full time as a nurse. Great. I see that. Yeah. Oh, you were on PTO. That must mean you're a mom, right? Oh, okay, great. Now I have a better picture. I have more context. It's not just siloed. And yes, mm -hmm. for, for a student who maybe took one or two classes a semester and their activities show nothing mm -hmm. else, then that looks bad, mm -hmm. right? Potentially. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's, it's all big picture, holistic, if you want to use that uh, thinking. Mm -hmm. So awesome, yep. Claudia, go for it. Yeah, global, global picture. Anna, Katharina, can we talk about hobbies in our apps or is it cliche like running after university athletics and learning to mountain bike? I strongly recommend you have one hobby on your application because we like authentic people and not just I'm doing everything to be a doctor. <laughs> you should accept yeah. me. Yep. Yes. They, as as they want to see that you have yeah. something that you enjoy outside of medicine, that you're, you know, yeah. involved in things that you can care for yourself, that you yeah. have interests and, and things that will help you kind of make it through, um, you know, some of the struggles you, you need to have hobbies. <laughs> Brittany, I think I know where you're going with what you want to say. As long as 
it's authentic. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make up something just to have a hobby on your application. Like don't start something today just so you could put it on your application. And, and don't use the hobby to then say (laughs) like running, right. To sell being an athlete has taught me dedication (laughs) and hard work, which I will carry forward to being a a med student at physician. Like don't, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't do that. Everyone does that. (laughs) Don't do that. Um, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Again, we, we know what it takes to be a runner and we know what it takes to do marathons. Let that speak for itself. Let them gather that information. Tell us why you're doing it, why you enjoy it. Yeah. I, I talked to a student. Here's, here's, um, kind of the behind the scenes of, uh, our company philosophy. So if, if anyone watching right now were potentially interested, we, we don't normally talk about our advising services, but I'll, I'll pitch a little bit here. <laughs> so if anyone watching is potentially interested in working with us one-on-one, I think the biggest thing that sets us apart is this drive towards authenticity. I literally had a student message me on uh, Instagram yesterday saying, oh my gosh, Dr. Gray. And this is actually a student uh, one of your students, Courtney. Uh, I'm so glad I'm working with your team, working with Courtney. I had a free session with another company, a very big company in our space. And they told me to get rid of my hobby. They told me to replace it with a clinical experience. Um, don't it, let me rephrase. They told me to take off my most meaningful for my hobby and put most meaningful on a clinical experience because that's what med schools want to see. And I just like huge face palm, like, oh my gosh, who's giving this advice? And, and like in my gut, I know it's wrong. And I have to say, you know what? It's not wrong. It's just different. And but I, I think that information comes when you do look at things in a silo, right? Yeah. I'm only looking at your activities. I haven't looked at your personal statement. I haven't looked at this other stuff. And so they're going to want to know that all of your most meaningful have been clinical. This needs to be passionate. It needs to be experienced where maybe I could see where that information is coming from, but it just, it's just not, it's just not true. <laughs> it's just not right. It's not authentic. Um, and, well, and and a lot of the feedback that we do get was like, oh my gosh, I finally stopped doing this canned response type thing. And they, you know, I felt like I had a conversation in the interview and they yeah. really connected with me and I got an offer. Yeah. Yes, that's and, because they want to see yeah. <laughs> that you have some social skills, that you're interested, mm-hmm. that you are interesting as a person, right? They're yep. going to be working with you. And, and there are ways to help you shine and feel confident in your application and what you're presenting yourself as and what information you're sharing. And that reads so much better yeah. than this really... Yeah dull kind of <laughs> lacking passion kind of narrative it just yep. it's not a and, service to you and all the hard yeah. work you've done it's and just ultimately not. ultimately i think it's easier right it because is. because oh you're not gosh, wasting yeah. so much energy going okay how should i frame this okay yes. wait I, if what what i'm looking at my checklist of all the skills i think doctors have to have which ones haven't i covered yet okay let me talk about that one like you're just being yourself mm-hmm. and and when we're doing application academy interview prep I'll ask the student after a question and they give the answer. I'm like, how was that? And they're like, it was easy. I'm like, why was it easy? 
because it was authentic. I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, you don't have to waste energy trying to be someone you're not. Some of the best writing that I see is when students are writing about their hobbies because they're just writing about the stuff they yes. love and they're yes. being authentic. Yes. I'm like, do this <laughs> about <laughs> yes. all your other activities. Yep. Yeah. Carry that over. But uh, there are. There are strategies. We can help you get there. Like sometimes it still seems really complex, really overwhelming, really challenging. Like we're not diminishing that and just saying like just full send, you know, there (laughs) are still ways to, to navigate this and, you know, we can kind of help keep you on track for that or help you, you know, figure out how to gather that information from yourself. But yeah. Yeah. Medical school HQ.net slash advising. will take you to all of our, uh, advising opportunities, including what I think is the best thing we offer. It's also the most economical thing, and that is Application Academy. Yeah. We are closing to new signups, new registrations, April 2nd. If you're waiting on an MCAT score, I think April 11th or April 25th, sign up. And if you yeah. get your score back and you're like, I don't want to apply this cycle, we'll give you your money back. Don't, no worry. Just just let us know. Um, so go to applicationacademy.com or just medicalschoolhq.net slash advising. We well, are at the hour, Courtney. I, I want to say one more thing about yep. it. Because uh, people who are waiting on their MCAT score, it, kind of like we were talking about taking little chunks that's what Application Academy does. <laughs> so you'll be able to watch all of the past recordings from other sessions to kind of inform you maybe how to start writing your activities or looking at how other people wrote them and what feedback they were getting and pulling from that or submitting the draft that you have and, and just taking little chunks out and the sessions rotate, right? And so we'll be doing secondaries. If you haven't pre-written any of your secondaries, you don't have to attend that session. Or you can look at it and say, oh, this is how people are doing that. I'll tuck that piece of information away for later time. But it it breaks it up into chunks and we cover all the aspects of the application. And so this is a way to help keep yourself on track, to have you not spinning your wheels and kind of wasting time and also gives you a network to kind of work with. These are all people kind of going through the same thing. And it's a really collaborative, supportive way to do it, but it also helps keep on track, digestible bits, progress over time. So it's helpful. Premedevents.com is the page I'm showing right now. It has a link to a session we're doing tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern. So if you are like, what is this Application Academy thing? Come check that out. It'll be recorded. You can see other things going on out in the community as well, including some blueprint stuff, the WMC Virtual Fair, University of Minnesota Professional School Expo, AMEC coming up in April, a personal um, uh, school list workshop that we're doing, some more blueprint stuff, the Western Conference. We should we need um, the Central Conference on there too. We're gonna uh, be there. Yeah, we're gonna be there. Come, we're gonna be doing some us. meetups. <laughs> so we're going to have some fun. And All right, everyone. It's time to say goodbye. Okay. I know, Corny. Corny, you always have something. <laughs> we, we'll say goodbye now um, from the Medical School HQ team. Corny, Vernia, thank you for hanging Hi. out today. Thank you, everyone, for coming, hanging out. We had about 100 students on yeah. uh, across the day. So we awesome. are here every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, almost every Wednesday. And then I do Instagram Lives as well on Fridays. So at, those are at 11 a.m. Eastern. So go ch- come 
check those out. We'll see you in Application Academy, hopefully. Bye. Bye-bye. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.